0: Didomi is a Greek word meaning to give or has given. God gave Didomi, and out of gratitude, we give back to our neighbor and our community Didomi. My name is Wissam Salibi. With Christian friends working in organizations that advocate for justice and peace, we put together the Didomi podcast, where we share on the issues that we are working on and addressing during our work. I am joining you from Geneva, and I have the pleasure to be talking today with Dr. Chris Alisara, who is joining me from San Diego in the United States to discuss climate change and the major conference that is taking place very soon, the conference called COP26. Chris is the director um, of the Creation Care Task Force at the World Evangelical Alliance and the Associate Director of WEA's Sustainability Center in Bonn in Germany. Chris has 20 years of experience working in the creation care movement. Hello, Chris.
1: Hey, it's good to be here. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. How are you? Good. How is your family and children and everyone?
1: Uh, We're doing doing good. We're going into uh, the fall here. So it's a busy time of um, school and uh, changing into a new sport. Soccer season is about to start, so... um, yeah, we're, we're doing doing well and getting busy as a family for the next season.
0: Now, Chris, before we talk about COP26, and we will be explaining what that means shortly. In 1996, you founded the Creation Care Study Program, which is an environmental study abroad program with campuses in New Zealand and Belize that serves over 25 U.S. Christian colleges and universities. So you were interested in creation care and issues of climate and environment quite early. Why is this issue so important to you?
1: Uh, That's a a good question. And I understood creation care as an important part of our faith after a long educational journey. I grew up in New Zealand, went to university there, uh, became a Christian in high school, and I was invited to uh, a youth missions conference in New Zealand in the early 80s. And at that time, um, I learned about mission and about um, God's care for for the nations and care for uh, the world, and that we were to be a part of, of, of the mission of God, um, bringing restoration bringing salvation, which is God's work, but we join him in that. And so I got on a path of, um, a missionary path and that brought me to the United States. And I came to the United States to do an MBA in, in, um, economic international development because I wanted to be involved in, um, Christian mission, um, incarnational Christian mission in, uh, areas of the world that uh, were suffering from, from poverty. And so I went to the U S to do an MBA to be able to do that. And my path I thought was uh, to be a missionary in, in those communities to bring the gospel and the fullness of the gospel. And what I discovered after I my MBA, I went to, do a PhD at Biola University. And because of my student uh, leadership work, I was invited to a gathering of student mm-hmm. leaders who were called together by a, a church in the Northern California that had a, a little creation care ministry at the church. And their idea was to expand that ministry nationally through a student-led movement. There were historians of, of faith, to know that sometimes God used students and student movements to, um, to work uh, new things in the body of Christ. And creation care at that time uh, was on the periphery of an understanding of what it meant to be a faithful Christian. There were some that understood that, but for the most part, it was um, not well understood and not well embraced by the church. And so it was on the sidelines, and they wanted to say, no, this should not be on the sidelines. This is a part of authentic, uh, orthodox Christian faith, and we need to care for creation, the gift of God, of creation. And so I was invited to that, and as I said, I was kind of on this um, missionary path, and I'd done an undergraduate degree, I had done a master's degree at a Christian institution, and I was in a PhD program at that time. And for the very first time in that little gathering of um, of folks, I learned that underneath the economic systems that uh, provide um, the things that we need economically um, for well-being and health uh, and the other things that we needed for life depended upon a healthy creation. So um, healthy economic systems require a healthy healthy ecological system. They go hand in hand. And I didn't realize that uh, after going through all that education, all that Christian uh, learning to find out you know late that um, creation and our economic systems, which are important to our social systems, which are important to all the other systems that we have, they all kind of Mm. knit together, um, required the necessity of a healthy ecosystem. And so I felt that there was a problem and I needed to work on doing something about that. And I felt that the thing that I was called to do at that point in time was to start these uh, environmental study abroad programs. So that students, as they went through their undergraduate degrees, that they got a basis of what I missed. And that basis was, you know, that we need to care for creation, um, for biblical reasons, for, um, for justice reasons, for, uh, all variety of moral and ethical reasons um, and practical reasons. Very, very practical reasons. And that's why I started, started these started these programs, um, you know, over 25 years ago. And in those programs, we do um, a course in theology where we learn what the Bible teaches about creation here. Um, and about, you know, the way he put ecological systems together and put people and those ecological systems together and how um, the Bible teaches us the principles to care for that um, spiritually and as a Christian community. And then we do a course in um, ecological systems. So we understand the ecological systems and how they work um, so that we can um, engage them and work with them in such a way that, you know, we can have the fruits of those ecological systems as the gift, but we don't destroy them. Mm -hmm. Um, so we need to understand those. So there's a scientific ecological, um, dimension of our stewardship that we have to embrace. So we do that particular class. And then we do a class called sustainable community development where you put them together. You put the theological piece with a science piece and that sustainable community development class enables us, um, to, to holistically uh, live in a place in such a way that we are able to, to live there um, with an integrity that does not undermine the integrity of the ecological systems. And so those are the essential classes that we teach in in, in our program. And that's a long story, but I I think it's important to, um, to, to kind of tell you that
0: so you started in 1996 and you're still teaching the classes now.
1: Yeah, we're still teaching those classes now. Right.
0: Mm, that's great. So, Chris, you will be in Glasgow in at the COP26 climate talks hosted by the United Nations. Uh, when will you go?
1: So I will be leaving on the Thursday, November 4th. The climate conference starts on... Um, November 1st, and it goes to November thirteenth. So the first week, um, is when it kicks off. And that's when a lot of, uh, leaders, uh, come, you know, government leaders, presidents, prime ministers, and so on come to the conference, you know, make some speeches, get the ball rolling. And Mm -hmm. then for the next, you know, week and a half or so, um, is when the work begins to um, produce out of the conference the things that are required to address, cli- address the climate emergency that we that we currently have, and I'll be there for the second week of 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 COP.
0: You will be there also with our Secretary General. I work with the World Evangelical Alliance. You work with the World Evangelical Alliance, and uh, Dr. Thomas Schumacher. Secretary General of the World Evangelical Alliance will be there. You will be together, along with also Matthias burning What are you planning in terms of activities, uh, meetings? Like, Do you have anything specific you'd like to share in terms of what you, you, you plan on doing there?
1: Yeah, sure. So we have a variety of different activities that we're um, going to be engaging in. We have... For the two weeks, one of the things that we've been doing with part with, a part, with several partners like um, Tier Fund, like Russia um, and other partners is to pull together a cohort of Christians from around the world. They had to apply to this program to become observers at the COP, so we call it the Christian Climate Observers Program, and the intention of C-COP, we call it, is to to get people from around the world to get passes to be able to enter the Blue Zone, as it's known, which is a secure zone where the where the government delegates and representatives are coming and having. the the conversations that they need to have to make the decisions by their governments to address the climate emergency and what we're doing through the ccop is providing opportunity for those christians to be involved in the civil society dimension of those discussions and to have through their experiences over the week that they're there an opportunity to have epiphanies about climate and about um, the problem and about the solutions and more importantly, what God is doing in their life and in their relationships and in their spheres of influence to help be a contributor to the solutions that they need in their own community, in their own place in their own nation. And so really it's a it's a it's an opportunity for the members in the COP to to become through their experience active agents of Christians doing things to be a part of the solution to to the things that we need to address to address, to address climate, so C COP has, I think it's forty different individuals from all around the world that apply to the program. We have a base camp at um, a Bible camp, very close to the heart of Glasgow. We gather there, and we um, have devotions every morning. We also then uh, go out to the COP, and everybody has to kind of different interests but we communicate, you know, during the day and that type of stuff and help people find things that may be of interest to them. Um, and we provide an opportunity for those that are senior leaders or people that have had experience at COPS before to uh, discuss and debrief, you know, the participants' experiences that they're having, what they're learning, the questions that they're having, the, the ideas that they're getting, um, and, and help them to synthesize those and and uh, understand those things and understand what they're seeing, feeling, and thinking, and maybe what God may be doing in their life through, through this experience. Um, and, um, that community will walk through those, those days together. And every day, uh, a part of what we do as a community is put together a newsletter by the participants that reports back to their home church their home community what they're what we're learning there as as, as a as a group so every person um, is assigned a day and they're part of um, a media team for a day and they will come back and they will write uh the reflections write news um share photographs um share things that um they're seeing experiencing understanding in that newsletter and then that newsletter goes out and so it's 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 a it's an opportunity for um the the folks that are a part of c cop to uh share what they're learning you know with 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 the community at home that they're representing and where they're going to be working with um when they return from c cop so that's one one major thing that 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 we're doing and being involved in and it takes a lot of Preparation of those students. Uh, I imagine. We multiple webs, uh, webinars and, and so on and so forth to get them ready for that.
0: How can listeners of the Didomi podcast receive the Christian Climate Observers Program's newsletter? You mentioned, you know, Cop Christian yeah. Climate Observer Program. How can listeners to our podcast subscribe to this newsletter and receive it?
1: We will put the link to the newsletter to subscribe on the WEA Creation Care website. And uh, it'll be easy to find. Uh, I'll share that with with you as well. and
0: I can put it in the show notes.
1: Yeah, put it in the show notes as well. Yeah. And that has had a lot of impact. This will be our second year of doing C-COP. And it's had a lot of impact, you know, just in one year. I'll give a little Mm -hmm. example, a little story. So we had um, a participant... Last year, who came to well the last time COP ran, um, came to the COP, and he came from Chile, I believe. His name is Fernando, um, and he's a climate scientist in his country in, in Latin America. Came to the C COP, went to some science meetings, um, and had some conversations that led to an invitation to him being a part of writing some of the most recent reports for uh, the UNFCCC.
0: The UNFCCC being?
1: The UN agency responsible for addressing climate change.
0: Wow, so he's working with them He w- through, through the, his engagement with COP.
1: Correct. And that, that's just one story. There's many stories of folks that have mm-hmm. been impacted by their experience as a C-COP participant, have gone back and have stuck to be very active in their local community or at a national level and a local level, um, helping their churches to engage and respond as Christians to the climate emergency that we're facing.
0: Mm. Thank you, Chris. This is quite amazing, the work that you're investing. I mean, I know from my work here that uh, the presence of civil society When governments are negotiating, you really need civil society to be monitoring very closely. So inside the blue zone, to be monitoring very closely the conversation and make sure that uh, the objectives are attained in those conversations. And, And this brings me to my difficult question now that I'd like to ask you. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the goal of COP26 is to prevent the average global temperature from rising more than 1.5 degrees Celsius compared with levels before the Industrial Revolution. Chris, do you, believe, do you believe that um, the current climate, diplomatic situation, climate, uh, political climate, geopolitical climate, and do you believe with all the what the governments are pledging or not pledging do you believe this goal is attainable and what are you hoping for the outcomes
1: yeah that's a that's a great question the current targets to get to the place that we need to on carbon requires us to make very or us being Governments, because it's governments that make these um, decisions and set the targets. So the governments have made decisions in a COP twenty one in Paris that started the ball rolling to reduce carbon into the atmosphere. Um, but back in COP twenty one in Paris, and I was there with with others, um, knew that those targets needed to be um, strengthened, you know, five years later. So there's a five-year later review, and they will need to be strengthened at that five-year mark uh, because the targets set in Paris weren't sufficient. So um, with the ball rolling in the right direction, now we need to increase our uh, objectives to decarbonize the economy in the countries around the world together. And you know um, so it's a tall task to achieve this um, but you know we know what we have to do. Um, we know the targets that we have to be have to be set. And we need to be able to um, meet the challenge because it is very challenging um, to be able to say, we're going to set these targets and we're going to successfully meet these targets because those targets mean significant changes um, to the economies of Mm -hmm. countries around the world. But not just, you know, you know, the economies of um a national country. You know, not not just a national economy, national economies are a connected deliberately. So we're talking about really changing the global economy and national economies together. And you know, why do I talk about economy? Um as you know what this really means, because that essentially does what it, is what it really means. It, it means that we have to change the underlying um, drivers. That are putting ex- excess carbon into the atmosphere that is changing ecological systems that we de- depend upon. In a way that. If we don't make these changes, we're going to suffer. And actually, we were already suffering. So climate change is not a problem that is out there, you know, 5, 10, 20 years away. It's already here. So the targets that have been set have um, an impact positively or negatively right now. And we need to do more. And we need to uh, address those fundamental drivers and those are economic drivers, uh, and and so we're really talking about a shift away from a, a fossil fuel driven economy and into a different type of economy that is um, works with the integrity of you know God's ecological gift. That he that he created, and and so we we need to understand you know the gift of creation, understand the limits of the gift. I mean, Sabbath is really an understanding of limits, and and knowing that you know at the edge of a limit is where we have to have a relationship with God that enables us to trust in not going over that limit and trust that, you know, if we don't, if we, if we remain, you know, under the limit, God's going to care for us. Um, and, 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 and we, and so that's, you know, already built in. So we need to, um, be able to, you know, uh, Change our change our economic systems by understanding the limits that are there in, in, in our ecological in electric, ecological systems, um, and and but that's not that's not easy. And so, but it is it is doable. Uh, I believe that you know we have the the ability to to develop an, you know an economic system that is consistent with um, God's, you know, ecological system.
0: What you're saying, Chris, is we need to overcome our selfishness for the greater good. There are governments and people who are saying, who are being selfish in this process, right? Who's Who are the countries that you believe have yet to make pledges that will have um, the impact that is required f- from COP26. Do you follow this? Do you have specific countries you you advocate that they they need to make these changes and in, in in their pollution to cut the pledges to cut the pollution?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, you know it's, it's the biggest economies in the world that have the greatest challenge and the greatest responsibility. So you know, it's not all countries, um, are have economies that are, you know, using fossil fuels or, you know, doing things in such a way that are, you know, commensurate with what we need. And, and so those countries, you know, have the greatest, have the greatest responsibility. So those are, you know, the developed industrial countries, uh, like the United States, um, like China, um, like Europe and some European countries. Um, those, those countries, you know, need to do the, do, do the most. And then there's large countries with, with a lot of population, Um, And the impact of the population dynamics and their consumption and those economies have a big impact as well. Um, So those countries would be countries like China, um, like India, uh, that also have uh, an obligation in the global context of climate to do as much as they can possibly, can possibly do too. And this is obviously where there becomes conflicts, <laughs> um, about, about that. And so, you know, at, at, cop, this is where the negotiations happen between the countries and a, amongst the leaders and a part of, you know, the transition that we're talking about, is helping you know some of these countries that are you know developing and and that's a good thing to get you know some of the technology um some of the means to transition to you know the the new clean economy um and so countries like india um are is, is in that kind of um category category that know, if they can continue to develop in such a way, um, with clean technologies, uh, then they're going to be, you know, contributing to solutions globally. And so there's a transit, there's a transfer of, of these technologies, these systems, um, to those types of countries. Yeah. So there's, I'll point to a, a website which is really good for for understanding this or knowing which countries um, the targets have what, what what targets these countries have and you know whether they're sufficient or insufficient I'm looking right now at climate tracker so climate I'm looking at the United States and it tells me you know what the, the goals are of the country. Mm-hmm. And its targets are and whether it's um, sufficient, insufficient um, in different kind of categories of you know policy and finance and, and so on and so forth. you know and it has um, a big insufficient <laughs> uh, grade here. So if mm-hmm. I go to um, let's see China, well, China's overall rating is highly insufficient. Um, and some of the categories here are not able to be assessed. So climate finance, you know, that can help with this transition. They can't assess that. So they have mm-hmm. not assessed. Um, are they doing a fair share um, in their target? No, let says say it's highly inefficient. The domestic target, inefficient. So this will help folks understand, you know, what your country is doing, what other countries are doing as well. Um, But let me go to Germany. Yep, there is problems here in Germany, too. Um, But they also say, you know, in policy and action, almost sufficient. And it gives a kind of uh, a climate or temperature increase uh, associated with their score as well. So, you know, we're at a 2%. Climate Word, run their policies in action. But when it comes to their fair share of the target, yeah, you know, we're at looking at a 3% insufficient.
0: I'll make sure to link to climatetracker.org in our show notes so that our listeners can um, yeah go and see their own countries, respective countries. Yeah. So, Chris, how can we pray for you? And how can you pray for the Christian Climate Observers program participants uh, who will be... Representing our voices as Christians, along with other Christians, at COP 26.
1: You know, you can pray for. You can obviously pray for us as individuals, as we as we're there. We all got to get there safely. We all got to be there, um, and be healthy. Get through healthy to be able to do the work that we're doing. So that that's one thing for prayer. Then the second thing for for prayer is, um, and I didn't mention this because I got of got you know. Long-winded about the, about COP, but there is we're launching a campaign called the Climate Vigil Campaign at COP at a church in um, downtown Glasgow, and the Climate Vigil Campaign is a global campaign um, to help Christians to become shaped as disciples to care for the creation and to engage on the climate issue. So there's a spiritual formation piece to it. And then the second piece is an action piece. So we're spiritually formed and then we act on our spiritual formation. And so those are things that we can do locally, um, things we can do with as an individual, things we can do as a family, things we can do in, a, in our community, and things we can do nationally. So there's a there's an action piece to the campaign as well. And then there's a mobilization piece. The mobilization piece is that in a year, two years time, that we have brought enough people into the climate vigil campaign that we can turn up at 50 to 75 capitals around the world and hold a climate prayer vigil Mm. led by Christians. And and our goal is to have the, the largest candle prayer vigil in history in 50 to 75 capitals around the world. What that means for United States is that we would turn up with a million Christians at the mall in D.C., praying for, um, for um, action on climate and advocating for policies and actions by business and government. And we do that all around the world. That whole campaign kicks off November 6th. At COP twenty six at six PM, and a part of the campaign is we have asked the um, the Portersgate Worship Project to record an album, a worship album, with with songs that help us as Christians to um, to be informed through those songs and be shaped through those songs in our worship to be able to um, be disciples of Christ, be able to respond to care for the creation. And so this new worship album will also uh, be sharing four of those songs at this at this event. And we've recorded uh, the service. It's just a short service with a variety of different speakers. For example, um, Ruth Valerio from... Um, from tear fun, will be, we'll be speaking and sharing her her thoughts around a particular song and some particular scripture. Um, Catherine Hayhoe, Dr. Catherine Hayhoe will also be sharing her thoughts about a particular song and, and encouraging us as a part of, um, the Christian community to, to walk forward in this. And, um, that service can be, um, can be picked up around the world. We've be broadcasting it through the internet around the world. And so praying for that launch, praying for churches to um, to take up that climate vigil and be a part of that on November 6th is something to pray for. And then, you know, we have a very important event um, on November 11th. The WEA has a, a workshop at the SDG7 pavilion in the Blue Zone, and SDG7 is about energy and the clean energy transition, and we're going to be um, talking about how to bring the evangelical community um, into ways that we can be a part of that clean energy transition within our communities, because the WEA has set a target of 20% of the global evangelical community convert to clean renewable energy by the year 2025. And so that workshop and the people that come to that workshop and the conversation that we have and the the plans that we can make together um, by the evangelical Christian community and partners in, in business and in government and civil society working together can help the evangelical community do its part. Um, in the clean energy sector around around the world, and Thomas Schumacher will be be participating in that, and and so that's something to to very seriously um, pray for, and um, so for the outcome for that would be will be productive, and then we can start um, to implement uh, a plan that can seriously, incredibly move the evangelical community um, to that target, and then ramp that target up because that honestly is not enough and not sufficient, um, to get to the net zero target that we need to. Um, so, but that's the place that we have, this is the place that we have to start. And so those are three areas of prayer play for the C cup folks play for, uh, our health as individuals, um, pray for the launch of the climate visual project and pray for uh this event at the heg7 pavilion um around the evangelical community engaging in the clean energy transition
0: thank you so much chris this may be a topic for another episode but how can churches move to become more sustainable with clean and rene- use clean and renewable energies i believe there's a program for that that's
1: right that's right we do have a, a program that is trying to get in each country, uh, churches, is there collaborating together with all the industry partners that are necessary to move those energy sources for those churches to clean renewable energy. It's, it's as simple as that. If you're in it, if you're managing a building as a church and you have choices about, uh, your energy, the program is to help, you know, you as a church transition from, a dirty energy source to a clean energy source, and that helps us to decarbonize um, our, our our climate, and and that's what the program is all about.
0: Thank you, Chris, for sharing all of this. I I pray that the Lord guides your footsteps from now to the conference, and at the conference, and after the conference, as you navigate. Um, the the difficult territories of diplomacy and governments Uh, i thank you so much for what you shared thank you so much for answering god's call on your life to pursue the the cause of creation care and for educating us and and helping us understand more about the environment and god's purposes for for our planet thank you so much chris i'm glad to talk so thank you also, listeners, for joining us on this Didomi uh, podcast episode. Our hope is that the Didomi podcast episodes, the conversations that we have, are edifying for Christians who want to engage in the public sphere. We welcome your feedback via email at contact at didomi.co. If you are interested in receiving our newsletter, you can subscribe to it via our website, didomi.co. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram on Didomi underscore CO. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, do leave us a comment or a five-star rating. That would help more people uh, find out about the Didomi Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, have a great week.